this season turn it up to 10 sort of like a bad habit we're gonna do it again ready or not we're gonna tie some ends go tell a 36 try to grab all the friends we're back like we never left on track like a treble clef skip a beat on the seventh rest bring feast we don't pass them over we got the first fruits no way to show us this yoke is easy this burns light even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike bales torn in two so we gonna be all right it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a job full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to the throne Wednesday, October, I don't know, what is it, the 4th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 445. It's Sukkot, absent but with you nonetheless. My name is Caleb Haig. And that reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, which we read for first day of Sukkot. Absent in the body, but away from the Lord. I'm Rob Bama. Anyway, yes. Good verse. So... <laughs> We are pre-recorded like, today. That reminds me of, Bible, of a Bible verse. Pre-recorded today. Uh, we're not. Uh, we're not in the chat room. There, you guys can go at it. We're. Uh, we're just going to talk. Probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual because we got started later than we needed to, and I got stuff I got to do today. But boy, oh boy, do we still have stuff to talk about? And we definitely do have stuff to talk about. You know, uh, Brittany, uh, that we talked about last week and the week before, has become a wealth of, of good content. 
And uh, the reason why is because although Brittany's the one who's calling in, I think that uh, she represents a large portion of our listening audience. And so uh, I think that's why the, the content is so good is because uh, the questions that she's asking are the questions that I think... Uh, uh, I think a lot of people are asking, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, with all of that said, we have uh, we have a lot to uh, a lot to cover today in a very short amount of time. Uh, we hope that you're doing well. It is Sukkot. Um, my family and I we are celebrating Sukkot, so we decided, hey, you know what? We're gonna cut it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll come back next week. So we pre- we're pre-recorded for you today. Uh, how's your uh, how's your Sukkot going? How's your how is your? Let's see here. Have we had Yom Kippur yet since, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess in between the last show and this show, Yom Kippur happened, right? Or was that the time before? No, I think Yom Kippur said- was a couple days before our last show. Okay. Okay. It was Fair a week enough. ago. A week ago today was Yom Kippur. Okay. So then how's your Sukkot going? So <laughs> it's going well. It's going really well. We had a little bit of a wind bit. So I, I our Sukkah is topped with. We have two apple trees, but we don't we don't eat the apples off them. And this spring, I trimmed them way down, and they sh- they have all these shoots that grow like we're talking like four feet long. And so it's like I use the apple trees not for apple, but for uh, for covering the sukkah. So yep. we we have you know these uh, fresh growth right from this season trimmed with the green occasionally there's spiders in there so we'll be in the sook and all of a sudden a little, a little spider like, it's like what you doing <laughs> how about you guys yeah you know it's uh it's interesting i i really dropped the ball in the suka realm this uh this year and i think that uh, it's a transitional year for me i i went from last year we had a giant tent um, and this year we have, we've been visiting, we're having to visit other people's sukkahs, which we've been doing regularly. So that's been nice. nice. Um, yeah. but, uh, next year, so we went to, uh, some very good friend's house the other day and they, they had a sukkah that, uh, it, it really inspired me for next year. So next year, I think I, I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to do it. I, Caleb's I think whole it, yard will be a sukkah. It, yeah, it's, well, I, I, no matter where we're at, I think that I got the sukkah for next year figured out. But this year, we're having to, uh, we're, we're truly wandering because we're wandering from other, <laughs> from people's, our friend's house to friend's house. So anyway, okay, let's, uh, let's jump into this. I think that, do you want to do, so... Let's have a quick meeting about this show. Do you want to do John 2028 20, first or yeah, do you let's not do that? Okay, let's do that. So I'll read the the portion of the email that we're going to jump into. So somebody emailed us and said, Hey, um, we've had a situation in our congregation. Someone is is denying the deity of Christ, and uh and we don't really know what to do. So there's been a lot of backstory in this email, and we're not gonna read all that backstory. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, this is, this is kind of what's, uh, come, come to, this is the, the point of the spear in the, in the, uh, email. Uh, this, this lady says, my husband, uh, and this other person have been, con- uh, conversing about the topic of Christ's de- uh, Christ's deity with my husband mentioning doubting Thomas in, in, uh, verse 2028, John 2028. And uh, she quotes the New King James Version, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Uh, This person responds, uh, response to this is there's no punctuation. So it could be interpreted as 
Thomas is referring to Yeshua, my Lord, then points to the heavens, my God. We see this as being taken out of context. Um, so I'm going to go first because I don't have a lot to say about this. I think it's a reading into the text quite a bit to say that uh, Yeshua says, my Lord, or that Thomas says, my Lord, and then points to the heavens and says, my God. Um, in fact, I don't think that the I don't think that the context uh, surrounding it, what, why would he do that? He's addressing Yeshua. So the context itself really does not give way to the notion that he is going to say, my Lord, and then stop and say, oh, and my God up there. It, 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 I, I think that context alone would tell us that this is not what's happening. It, uh, it makes a complete break in the narrative and makes little to no sense at all. With that said, I don't know enough about Greek, but I don't think that I think that the Greek could be construed either way. But I don't know. I'm going to pass it over to Rob. Rob, go. Well, what? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I think uh, if we we have to remember that we we're reading the Gospel of John, and we're coming to the end of the Gospel of John. We so we have to look at the Gospel of John according to the bookends, right? And so, right. The opening of the Gospel of John makes it clear right? The Logos was was with God. The Logos was God, right? And then it says, the Logos became flesh and tabernacled among us, etc., right? We've beheld his glory, right? And from the get-go, you know, we're, we're seeing this um, unfolding of him coming to his own, the Incarnation, that he'd be rejected by his people. Darkness is going to try to overtake him, but it's not going to, you know, it's dark, not going to darkness work. is not successful. And um, we have this revelation through his teaching. And then of course, his betrayal and, and death and resurrection of who he is. And of course his resurrection now, I mean, he, if earlier in the chapter, he like, he appears, he doesn't like, knock on the door, right? He doesn't just walk in, you know, he's, he appears among them. And that's where Thomas is not the first time. And then they go and tell Thomas and he's like, no, unless I see him myself, I'm not going to believe. So it's all about Yeshua. And, and then it's, I think, you know, it's a week later, Yeshua appears, Thomas is there and Yeshua knew by, by saying, you know, here's, check it out. You know, I've got these scars, et cetera. And uh, yeah, to, to try to say, oh, he shifts viewpoint, <laughs> like mid phrase. <laughs> like, it doesn't, my yeah. Lord, he's talking to you and then he's like, stop, wait, my God, or whatever. It's, it's such a silly, irresponsible uh there, there's this just like building a house on sand, right? To, to claim that. But I'll tell um, you what, though, I was looking at some Unitarian websites that, I mean, they are, they are wholly convinced that Thomas stops mid sentence and, and decides that he's going to, uh, out of his surprise, uh, point to heaven and say, my God. Um, and that of course there's no, like the, the interpretation that, that he would say to Yeshua, my Lord, and my God is just 
asinine. Here's here's what I said to the to the lady who who sent the email in in my response. I said, you know, um, even if the, even if the person that your husband is talking to wants to take this as a a break in narrative, where all of a sudden Thomas stops and uh, shifts gears completely in his utter surprise, stops uh, in his surprise and and decides that he's going to address God completely out of context. Okay, that's fine. But even within the Gospel of John and many other places, uh, there's plenty of places where Yeshua proclaims himself to be God. John 8:58, so on and so forth. All these places where he proclaims himself to be God. And the thing is is this particular passage is one of an entire house that if you take out the the idea that Yeshua proclaims himself to be God, guess what? It all falls apart. Yeshua is not who he says he is. Yeshua is a liar if he is not God. And so those are really the only two options that you have. And of course, the, uh, the Unitarians are going to say, no, 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 you're just misinterpreting or whatever. No, it, it's, it's really, I mean, this is why the Pharisees continue to say blasphemy, 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 because they know exactly what he's saying. And we've talked about this many times on this show, but the notion that uh, Yeshua stops or that Thomas stops and point, he's points at Yeshua, my Lord. Oh, wait, hang on just a second. While I'm so surprised, I'm going to go address God now. I'm sorry. I, I just don't buy it. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah. Yeah. And here's what it sounds like. So they want to, it seems like the motive is to exclude Yeshua from the second utterance. Right. So my Lord, they're saying that's Yeshua, but then whatever, whatever Thomas means by and uh, my God, Yeshua has to be excluded from that phrase. Right. And I don't see it that way. I see it as concentric. It's my Lord and my God is, is like, he's recognizing that there is no way to, there is no access to the father except through the son. So he, it, it is definitely his mind's being blown, right? His mind is being blown because he did. He said, unless I see him, I'm not going to believe he sees him. And he's just like mind being blown. And then Yeshua says, okay, because you've seen, you believe, blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. So if you, you can't elbow Yeshua out of the gospel, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, it's just, it's, 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 it hurts my heart that there's people who are out there pushing this because they cause confusion, you know? I mean, they're, they're, they're actually, but they, turning... but they are very convinced, aren't they? Okay. Yeah. Let's move. Let's move to uh, Brittany. Now, Brittany has left us a, a slew of uh, messages in response uh, and not response, but, que you know, questions and follow ups to our last show. If you missed it, it's show 444, uh, where we go step by step through uh, one of Brittany's uh, messages. And uh, so remember that we had been talking about uh, what was it? Was it Matthew? What passage were we talking about? Anyway, she'll, she'll well, there bring was, it up again. If I remember, one of them was Romans 2. That's what it is. And Romans whether, 2, 14, Whether 15. you read it as they they do by nature the things of the law, which is yeah. okay, against so biblical theology. You let's don't, go do, right nobody to, does by nature. By nature, we're sin, we transgress the Torah. So let's let's go let's go to, to Brittany then and listen to her because she she's gonna take some umbrage with your response. Here we go. Rob did it again. He did it again. Uh, so I, I wrote down the quote that he said. 
This is a sad blind spot of English translators that have gotten Romans 2.14 wrong. Sad blind spot is that they are sneaking in this idea that humanity has the capacity to please God without faith. So we should now question the English translators of the Bible and assume that at any point there is a sneaky conspiracy to push an agenda. Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I can't take that. Uh, Hang on just a sec. Okay, wait, wait. Let, let's pause. Didn't I get, didn't I provide two English independent English well, translations? She, oh, okay, okay. Hang on just a sec. She's going to she's going to reference that too. Hang on just let, let's listen to that then. And then also he gave me some examples of verses he felt more clearly um brought out the verses or the meaning of the verses. But yeah, he couldn't vouch for any of those translations personally. So it seems like cherry picking. I I don't know. Um Okay, hang on just a sec. So here here let, let's let's do this We'll do it two ways, okay? We'll do it two ways. The, the question that I would have for Brittany is, okay, so you, you believe that the English translation, whatever English translation that it is that you're deciding to, to hang your hat on, is it almost sounds like you believe that your English translation is God-breathed, but we'll, we're not going uh, to push on that. What we'll say is, okay, explain to us then, with the way that you, with with your translation, in the way that that uh, it says it, you explain to us what you believe that means. Because, as we already mentioned, as we already brought out in our last show, the the the, the scriptures are clear on two points. Number one, man cannot naturally please God, and so. With the way that your Bible has translated, please explain to us how man naturally keeps the Torah. Because that's what it sounds like you're pushing, but clearly the scriptures have said that that's not the case, even in Romans. If, Paul if said, man naturally kept the Torah, then Christ died in vain. Right. So so that's, that's but number it's one. Also, but it's also, that Brittany, I appreciate that. If, if I understand if it looks like I'm cherry-picking. But I would just respond this way. It's not my problem. You have different English translations that you need to choose from. You need to decide whether for Romans 2.14, N.T. Wright and the Christian Standard Bible are correct or whatever translation you're using is, is correct. And you can contact those different translation publication teams or whatever and talk to them about that difference. It's not it's not. I'm grounded. I've taught biblical Greek for over 10 years. And so, and I'm not saying that huffy puffy. I'm just saying I'm, uh, I'm okay with know, it. Kind of, yeah, I'm, <laughs> but, but, I'm okay. okay. I'm okay but, with it. <laughs> well, 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 hang on just a sec. So, so my one, problem. once again, I, I, I think that, that, uh, you know, I would need to, under, I would need to hear what it is you think that the verse is saying. So well, because I think she's, I think she's made the, I've, I think I have an idea of what she thinks that there, she's reading it this way to the best of my understanding of listening carefully to her messages is that Romans two, that middle of that Romans two passage is saying that non-Jews have, have God's law written on their heart. Like all humanity have God's law written on their heart, but non-Jewish believers have it more intensely. So, Okay, so because she so, she made that and and I say that's that is unbiblical theology. That's not biblical theology. I, that's my point. 
is that there are, there are places throughout scripture that would say that that's not true. And if you're going to say, well, and it's because it sounded when she, the, the very first message she ever left, it sounded like what she was saying was there's extra, like the extra things like kosher laws, Sabbath and whatnot, those don't matter to the Gentile believers. But if that's the case, then you then you're going to need to deal with with Matthew five seventeen and following. Yeah, you're going to yeah. have to you know Luke fourteen well, and the, and and the 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 Last Supper. The only people, the only humans that have anything about God's Torah on their heart are beneficiaries of what Jeremiah thirty one talks about. Right. That's those are the only people who are beneficiaries of Torah working on their heart for good pleasing to God right. are beneficiaries of Messiah's redemptive blood. And that goat, that, that is independent of time. That's why Hebrews 11 can start with Abel and go through right. all these people. Cause it, we have the same faith. It doesn't matter if we're 2000 years before Christ or 2000 years after same faith. Faith is pleasing but, is how to please God. I want to go, I want to go a different way real quick too, though. And that is to say, we have perfect examples from well-known translations where the translators do cherry pick and the, they, they oh, do, Oh yeah. They do put in their own theology. Matthew seven is, or I'm sorry, Mark seven is a perfect example of this. You look in your KJV or where they put covenant in, <laughs> right? But, but let's go, no, let's go, go let's ahead. go, sorry, I'm let's go to Mark seven, Mark seven, they specific, the KJV, the standard, what you had for a Bible, right? How do they translate it? Thus purging. purging all foods. And now look at every modern translation since then. There's nothing different in the Greek. There's nothing different in the Greek, but the translators have decided that instead of thus purging all foods, which the KJV, which is, I'm sure everyone knows what the KJV is. The KJV translates this one, one way. All the translators since have, have translated it how? Thus declaring all foods clean. Right. And I wouldn't use the word, she used the word conspiracy. I wouldn't say conspiracy. And I wouldn't say, if I use sneak, I, what I mean is that it comes in under the radar. I don't mean that I'm not attributing malintent. So let me clarify there. But it is groupthink. It's like a groupthink right. that is uninspected. It's an uninspected yeah, nobody's pushing against pattern there. that has replicated throughout different translations. And the very fact that I can show you N.T. Wright, who is one of the world's leading voices yeah. Yeah. on Christian on the Christian faith, whether you agree with him on everything or not, you're it's going to be hard to beat his grounding in the he or in the Greek text because he taught it for years and years and years. So that doesn't mean I I can I'm endorsing everything that N.T. Wright ever said, just because I. I'm saying that he got Romans 2.14 absolutely sterlingly correct. Same thing with the Christian Standard Bible. Just because they they nailed it on this one, I'm going, yeah, cool. They nailed it. That doesn't mean I, I'm endorsing the whole translation team and, and their theological worldview. So we wouldn't do that with if, any translation though, right? I mean we, we and from that regard, we you are obligated to cherry pick. And what I mean by that is you as a believer are obligated to take every thought captive to Christ, to walk your faith that you know that God's leading you, and it will lead you to disagreements with your translations in certain places. 
unless you're going to just say, and like Caleb said, NASB is God breathed. Well, then you don't have any, your own thought. It's just all there. NASB. But you're, but a, a true believer is not going to be satisfied with one translation. Therefore, you're going to have to, but I would change cherry pick for sort. You're going to have to sort out. You're going to have to sift the wheat from the chaff. It's, and that's, that is on you. That's on each one of us. Unless, yeah, like I and, said, it, if you're going to be it, a King James only, or if you're going to be a NIV only, you're still going to have a problem because NIV is going to make a new translation. And, you know, just like NASB, I've been comparing the NASB 95 with the yeah. NASB 2020. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I am. Uh, there's decisions they made for the 2020 NASB. That I'm just like, oh my goodness. They must yeah, have what brought are you in doing? a whole bunch of new young people to liberals. modify something they, they don't brought understand in liberals because yeah. the nasb 95 is superior in so many ways does that mean the nasb 95 is perfect no i'm not saying that i'm saying you need to be discriminating if you're going to get into the weeds of theology and the depth of the roots of the word of god in your life and own your your growth and understand who you are in messiah and grow in his word you, these things make a difference right and but if you're going to submit every thought you have to the nasb translators rather than to the spirit of christ well that's a lesson that's ahead well, of you still let's let's bring it let's bring it back to this conversation in particular you know one of the things that i'm not that i'm not understanding about this argument is it seems to me like the standard christian view is certainly cherry picking once again we go back to any passage in the in the torah and in the and in the prophets that say that the that the laws are forever that the sabbath is forever that the sabbath is a great thing you know i was reading uh, isaiah 58 it's all about Yom Kippur, right? He, it, it's specifically about Yom Kippur and about the fast and how we're supposed to, it's forever, right? We, we've already looked at, at Isaiah 56, Isaiah 66, Zechariah 14. And then you get into the apostolic scriptures and in the New Testament, constantly the, the writers are saying how the law is not only a good thing, but should be kept. And yet, so are we cherry picking or not? Because it seems like the the standard Christian view of picking these... cherry has to be the name of this episode, picking cherries or something. Picking like cherries. That. There anyway. you go. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and the reason why is because you might be you might have one verse like Romans 2, 14 and 15, where you're saying, Well, I think you're cherry picking what, what translation you want. Okay. Please reconcile to me then every single place in all of scriptures that says that the Torah is forever. It's a covenant for, between God and his people forever and that we're supposed to keep the Torah forever. And yet you're saying that we shouldn't. I don't like how is that not cherry picking? So it it seems like the the scales are a little bit lopsided here. Okay, let's let's move on because what Brittany, I appreciate though, I, I really appreciate I I hope it doesn't sound like we're bashing down on on her because I, I i appreciate her like i think i said last tenacity don't oh, don't sure. change your tenacity but just you know sharpen it up you know and keep keep at it you know that's that's what i would say i think yeah it, well okay let's this the next uh the next one is a <laughs> this is she got us on this one and you'll see why Okay, second message from Brittany. Uh, so let's say I buy into all of this, and I study it, and I find it to be true. 
What is the practical application of this? I know in the past you've mentioned community rule when it comes to Sabbath. Like, you don't buy on the Sabbath, and Rob has agreed. Personally, those are two things you don't do. However, you've also said, well, go to community rule, which, you know, I, I, you're not a dumb guy, so I know you probably have some rationale because when you hear that, that doesn't really jive, you know, because there's personal responsibility and what is the Bible saying to do regardless of what that community is doing. Another yeah, thing absolutely. is, um, I know you said that you don't attend a Messianic synagogue or, or like a Jewish gathering, however you word it. Either do I. And, you know, we would really have, we live in Florida, we'd really have to search to find one. And I'm just trying to think, you know, what if you don't even have a community that believes that? Um, so what Brittany has done here is she has found the chink in all of the armor of such theology. And the reason I say that is because even on this show, you'll see, you know, if you if you listen to us for the past 10 years, you know that there's been shifts here and there to try to, to, to work out this exact question and this exact problem. And the problem is, is that the, the you know, Torah movement as a as a general broad term for anyone who like a catch-all for anyone who believes that we should be keeping Torah is kind of all over the place. It's in its very infancy stages, right? And you see it starting in the in the early 1900s, and so um, but you you see this explosion in the 80s and 90s. And the truth is is that the movement uh, as a broad term and all these different factions and all these different things, nobody's figured that out yet. Nobody's been able to figure it out. And the reason why is because what you have is you have the church over here just pushing and saying, no, no, you're not going to do that. And then you have people in the pews. And I think that the amount of people at this point, we're recording this in 2023, at this point in history, the amount of people, I don't think that there are many churches out there now, there, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that there are a lot of churches where there's not at least one person who thinks that they should at least be keeping the Sabbath or, you know, a kosher diet or something like that. I mean, I think that the, the numbers are so, are growing exponentially, so, so much so that every community has somebody who's at least questioning. And the thing is, is that what, what you had was in the beginning of the 1900s, you had Messianic Jewish synagogues come around. And since then, you've had kind of offshoots, which are kind of in the camp of, well, we might be, uh, we might be messianic, we might be Christian, you don't really know. And so these are the groups that you got, you got messianic synagogues, you got Hebrew roots congregations, that's, that's about it. And then you got people like me, I don't, I don't know what to do at this point. You know, we, we are having people into our home now that agree uh, that we should be keeping the Sabbath and, and want to celebrate the festival. So we get together, we read our Bibles, we, you know, we, there's a time of teaching and study and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, uh, there's not a, a community around me where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to this community because it's going to be great. And so ultimately, I think that, that uh, this, and I'm going to back up. I know I've been talking for a while. I'll pass this over to you in just a second. I'm going to back up, though. I think you're absolutely right, Brittany. The idea that the what we have to do as Torah observant believers is we have to just say, hey, look, we're covenant members. We are going to live the covenant as a family the best that we can. We're going to find fellow believers, whether that's in a church, whether that's in a home group, whether that's in a Messianic synagogue, whether that, wherever it is that we find believers that we are going to fellowship with on a weekly basis, that's what we're going to do. We might disagree with them, 
right? We might we might be going to a Baptist church. They have nothing to do with Torah observance, and that might be something that my family's going to do. But I am a covenant member. I'm going to keep the covenant. My family's going to keep the covenant. That's what we're going to do. And I'm not going to bash people over the head with it. I'm not going to go walk into my church and right. be like, all y'all are wrong. You should be doing X, Y, Z, which is so prevalent in the Torah movement today. And I think that uh, obviously people watch this show, they probably think that that's how it is. You know, I walk into a church and I bash people over the Bible, whoppa, whoppa, as I'm walking in with, you know, you should be keeping this and this and this. And that's not the case at all. Um, rather, you know, we put our, our views forward on this show to try to help other people. But ultimately, you know, this walk is a walk that my family in our community, it's a walk that my family's doing, and you know it's starting to grow around us. There are friends and family now that come in and fellowship with us. But boy, you've—I mean, I, to say that we have this figured out, to say that I have this figured out, would would just not be—I don't. I don't have it figured out, and uh, we try to help people, but I don't have it figured out. Rob, you got it figured out. Well, <laughs> I, I have a scripture that would. Well, I have, you know, theologically, I, I, I have an opinion. Sure. Um, and what one thing is, Brittany, if you contact Caleb, Caleb will will give you. A, and this is I'm just calling this. We have a a, a summer course I did called Beit Tefilati, House of My Prayer, from Isaiah 56. So that's that's our our gift to you. If you contact our offices, I'm making this up right now. So, but Caleb will get that to you. Sure. So just contact, uh, C Hag at tour resource or M Gonzalez or R Van Hoff at tour resource. And we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, and that's a thank you just to thank you to you for, for sticking with this and, and hopefully an encouragement. So, so there's one thing that I would say, the other is it, that just came to mind is Hebrews 12. I think this is true. You know, I, I believe the word of God is rare in the world right now. And in Hebrews yeah. 12, it says his book, his voice shook on the earth then that is at Sinai. But now he has promised saying yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And that's Haggai. The expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things, which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it's it's about how how, how do we worship God as, as a communities that are Yeshua-centered in this world, especially when you have all the noise of the different Judaisms and denominationalism and everything. I like the the Holman Christian standard here says, um, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us hold on to grace. I love that. That's a, that, Let us hold on to grace. That's the CSV. I think, yeah, I, we're being shaken. I, I think the, the believers, right, or the church right now, whatever you want to broadly, if I call the church, what I mean is, is true believers plus plus others that are attached to it, but are not true believers. That whole thing is being shaken right now. Maybe perhaps in our day and age, more consistently and intensely than ever in history. And what's happening is as people who are true believers are, are feeling this shaking 
and they're having to sort again it's not cherry picking it's like man i really need to get my priorities in order for my own household i really need to get my priorities in order when it comes to putting god first and everything what is i i have to make it a prime central to, to my life to understand what yeshua meant by the greatest commandment is love god right with all your heart all your soul your strength and love my neighbors myself and that all the commandments are contingent upon these. I got to get that. I got to know what I mean when I'm talking about that. I need to build my house on rock. I need to make sure because the shaking is getting, and it's all, in my view, in my opinion, it's only going to get more intense. And the question is, whose houses are going to stay built on the rock and who have lovely mansions and all these things now? but it's, they're going to just collapse like a house of cards or, or collapse as the sand moves from underneath them. And so right now we're in a time that one of those prioritizations is who do you trust? And this is, I, I kind of see what Brittany's going through now. It's like, we're, we're shaking her. She, she's feeling shaken with respect to Bible translations and that's okay. That's not, that, that's actually, I, I think that's a good thing. Because she's going to say, wow, I want to build on rock. And if this translation says X, but another translation says Y, and they both can't be right, I've got a, a faith dilemma. It's like, well, I could just say, well, I'll, I'll just put a plaster over that and pretend I don't know. Well, that's only going to be, that's a temporary solution. Yeshua says the wise person builds their house on rock. So we want to build our house on rock. And, and I take that as our, our each individual hermeneutic for understanding the word of God, hearing how it applies to us, knowing our place within covenantal history, honoring and respecting our dependency on the majesty of and just unspeakable glory of Yeshua and what he's done for us. And you know, taking it seriously, the time for, for, for kitty pool Bible is over. Kitty play, kitty pool Bible studies among adults is over. You know, the Strong's, Strong's Concordance word studies, that's over. That was in the eighties and nineties, maybe it's over. So, you know, if, and I don't think there's going to be one English translation that fits, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't believe it, but God allows it because he wants us to search out matters. He wants us to search out the matter on any one of these fronts and our, this, this shaking, just one last point, the shaking forces us while it's confronting us with these differences, confronting us to, to say, what, where do I go? between these two English translations, which one do I choose and why? And why do I believe this one over the other one? It forces you to learn a whole new vocabulary of theological um, uh, understanding, right? You have to have a grammar of why of, of the whole Bible worldview from which you, if, if you believe the canon is one voice, that is, and I believe it's one voice, it also, we have to prioritize our relationships. There's people that you can trust in your life, and there's people that maybe you've trusted and you realize, wow, I can't trust. That's another place where you have to sort. And this is happening 
it's just like Caleb describes a guy who's going to a Sunday church. He loves the people there. It feels he trusts the ki his kids at the daycare, you know, or at the kid uh, ministry, children's ministry place. He likes the music. He, the pastor's nice. But in his gut, he's like, you know, man, the Sabbath thing. Okay, there's an example. He, that guy, what's he going to do? Well, there's been countless people who've had that, who've been in that situation. They go to the pastor and they say the Sabbath thing, and they just get a stamped answer where the pastor really doesn't know, but the pastor is just going to reinforce the denominational line there because it's the institution that, that we see that all the time. Up in. Yeah, the pastor did not grow up in searching out the word of God for him, for himself. So this we is see that, that we, but, we, but we're seeing that even amongst even amongst uh, you know learned people is that you just push the the narrative that you've been taught. You, there's not a whole lot of like we're gonna really you know give this a, a try. Here's the thing: is that there's also you know there's also uh, Brittany. I don't know where your family's at, or 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 even really where you're at, but you know there we get a lot of emails and a lot of calls from people ladies or men who are, they've come to tour, but their spouse has not. They're trying to get their kids to, to come into it. And, and, uh, you know, they got a spouse that's pushing against it. And so ultimately, you know, I think that, uh, we need believers who uh, this comes down to once again, and I, I can't stress this enough. What am I going to do for me and my family? That's first and foremost. And, and Brittany, you even you bring you bring that up. You bring up the the notion of well, I'm not you know I'm going to look in the scriptures. I'm going to see what the scripture tells me. I have to do. Now I'm not going to budge on that. Now when I go to a community, if they're going to tell me, well, we do this, and and I think that it goes against scripture, I'm not gonna I'm not going to go along with that. But if they say something like, if I'm going to a community and they say, you know, on this day we do X, Y, Z, and it's, it doesn't go against scripture and it's something that their community has a tradition of, okay, well, then I have to figure out, am I going to be part of this community or not? And unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of theological issues. I think that, uh, you know, as my wife and I were just talking about this, like, man, we, we've had a really hard time finding a community where um, there's not something like a foundational issue glaring at us a foundational issue or a place where we want our kids to grow up, you know, like there's such a, you know, we're not charismatic in, in the sense of, you know, care, the charismatic church and a lot of the, uh, Hebrew roots and messianic groups around us are just that they're very charismatic and they come out of the charismatic church. And we just have not now, does that mean that those people aren't saved? No, I'm not saying that at all. But it's not a place that I want my child growing up with those kind of theological, you know, when, once my kids grow up, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But theologically, that's not what I'm trying to raise my kids in. And so we've had a hard time. And I think that, uh, I think that most of the people who are going to watch this who are 100%, we keep Torah, it's for, you know, it's for all believers, is, they're going to have to admit and they're going to agree, yeah, this, is, this has been a, a difficult issue. One of the reasons that we see so many home fellowships is because of this issue. You have people who say, look, that, you know, we, we were going to this church, the pastor said, you know, you can't be here anymore because you believe in heresy or whatever, and we didn't know where else to go, so we found another couple or two, and now we have a home Bible study, and that's what we do. I, I think that the reason that there are so many of those is because of this exact problem that Brittany has brought up. Okay. Uh, now and, and allow, I would just say one, one of these, as we get 
as the world is shaken like this, and we have to, we realize, okay, we're separating what's eternal from what's temporal, right? And we're going to cling because we want to build on the rock. I'm mixing all these different <laughs> biblical poetic uh, images. Um, we want to be, remember, God is patient and long-suffering, right? He, he's, he's, it says he's compassionate, gracious, you know, um, patient. And so we need to, this is an opportunity for us to really, you know, uh, see that tenderness of God working in our life. If, but we have to be paid. We have to recognize that he's patient. We need to be patient. We're on a learning curve as his children. The, in first John, he, he says, there's an unknown here. He says, you know, he says, brethren, we don't, we don't know exactly what we are right now, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Right. right? So there's, there's, we don't, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, at the end of John, we started with talking about John 20. Remember in John 21, what does Yeshua say to Peter? He says, when you were young, you know, you dressed yourself and you went and did whatever you want. And there's going to be a time where someone else is going to dress you and they're going to bind your hands and they're going to take you somewhere where you don't want to go. And, and the idea is there's stuff that as, as Yeshua leads, you know, as our life and orchestrates events, we don't have everything mapped out in advance. We can't because we don't have that knowledge. That's why it says back to that second Corinthians five, which I think is a beautiful passage for pondering and reflection and meditation for Sukkot is we, we walk by faith, not by sight. Hmm. And so there are a lot of times these uh, troublesome questions will kind of not you or like mosquitoes or just, and you, you just want to remember, go to prayer, you know, obviously, uh, go through the bait to feel a tea, uh, <laughs> study and, um, and, and just trust, trust that God is guiding you and, uh, and you know, you're All where right. you're supposed to be. I said it was going to be short. I meant it. We're only 46 minutes in, but we're going to call it right there. I got some stuff I got to do before, uh, before we, before this day moves on, so I got to get to it. But uh, we hope that this uh, that this show has helped in some way, shape, or form. Brittany, we love your messages. Please keep sending them. Um, I, I do have a couple more that Brittany has sent in. Um, but next week, we're going to uh, we're going to move on. We will talk about some other stuff. If you have questions, please send them to cheg at torresource.com. C H E G G at torresource.com. You can also leave us messages just like Brittany did. 253-465-3205. 253-465-3205. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It might sound weird, but it actually does help us. If you're already subscribed, go ahead and give us a like on this video. It does help. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Mm -hmm.